again for um, tuning in, listening to Thinking Biblically about things that matter. I'm Steve Ron. I'm the lead pastor here at First Baptist Church in Warsaw, Indiana, and uh, we've got something uh, different today. It's not going to be me talking. Um, I've asked my good friend and one of the elders here at our church, Mark Baumgartner, if he would do a lesson on the immutability of God. Um, we're gonna we're gonna do this kind of thing every once in a while. Um, have a, a guest speaker, a guest teacher. So um, today it's gonna be Mark Baumgartner, and um, I've I've had the pleasure of listening to this lesson from him already, um, and so I'm confident that it's going to be a blessing to you. And praying that it is. So I'm very thankful that we get this opportunity to do something different today. We're going to listen to Mark Baumgartner teach on the immutability of God. Um, so once again, uh, thanks for thanks for listening, and I pray that this is a blessing to you. For our scripture reading this morning, I want to give you some biblical statements on the immutability of God, and remember, keep in mind, that when we use the term immutability, that is a theological term. Job twenty-three thirteen. But he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires, that he does. And then Psalm 102, verse 25 through 20, verses 25 through 27. Of old you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away, but you are the same and your years have no end. James 1.17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. And then one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then I want to close our scripture reading with Malachi chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow and the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed." 
The title of this lesson is The Immutability of God, His Unchanging and Unchangeable Nature. We are fast approaching the end of another year, and as all the other previous years, we've all got a little bit older, and hopefully, along with getting a little bit older, we've become a little bit wiser, and hopefully, a little bit more like Christ. And so, besides gaining a little weight or losing a little weight, or maybe you've gained a few more gray hairs, or if you're like me, you've lost a few more hairs. Now, I could go on and on with this, but it really isn't necessary because one thing that life reminds us of is that you can't be human without changing. doesn't matter who you are. All created things change. As the old saying goes, time changes things, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. So whether you're a human being or whether you're something created, you cannot exist without changing. Everybody changes. Everything changes. And I think that's one of the reasons that the Bible is quick to tell us that amidst all the changes of life, in everything that's constantly in flux, there's one thing that never, ever changes, and that is our immutable an unchanging and unchangeable God. He never has changed and he never will change. He is always, he, he, he is what he always was and always will be. And there is not any fluctuation at all in his being. He's the same today as he was 10 billion years ago, and he's the same 10 billion years from now as he is today, without any slight change in his being at all. And I know that's hard for us to understand because we can't live without changing, but God can. In fact, God is the only being in the entire universe who never changes. Everything else does. And I'm not saying that we don't know some pretty stable things. I was thinking of things that are relatively firm and relatively stable, like the forces of gravity, uh, the pattern of the seasons, <clears throat> Pastor Steve's unwavering passion for Michigan football, Charlie Brown's failures. You know, he never succeeds. Seriously, 
along with the forces of gravity, the pattern of the seasons, I was even thinking of the sunrise and the sunset. Do you know that they can predict a hundred years from now exactly when the sun will rise and exactly when the sun will set? Because the Earth's orbit is so consistent, so constant. And we even have the atomic clock in Colorado. It is accurate, or according to one estimate, to within one second every 300 million years. Now, how they will know that, I I don't know. I don't think uh, we'll be around to see it. But those are some of the most consistent and reliable things we know of. And because they are consistent and because they're so reliable, it gives us security in life. We can depend on them. I can wake up each day counting on the fact that the sun's going to rise and and that it's going to set. And I can wake up every day knowing that when I step out of bed, I'm not going to float in the air. My feet are going to hit the floor. Reliable, dependable things give us security in life. So when we have things that are relatively unchanging, it's it's helpful to us. And the consistency of our world reflects the immutability of our God. In fact, despite how unchanging and constant those things are, God is infinitely more reliable and dependable and unchanging. And that gives us a sure footing for life. He alone has never changed and never will. You don't know how much that helps you in your life. We often benefit from what the Bible says without even knowing how we benefit from it. Listen to how A.W. Pink expresses it so beautifully in his book, The Attributes of God, in one of his chapters on God's immutability. Quote, God has neither evolved grown nor improved. All that he is today, he has ever been and ever will be. I am the Lord, I do not change, is his own unqualified affirmation. He cannot change for the better because he's already perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse altogether unaffected by anything outside himself. Improvement 
or deterioration is impossible. He is perpetually the same. He only can say, I am that I am. He is altogether uninfluenced by the flight of time. There is no wrinkle on the brow of eternity. Therefore, his power can never diminish nor increase, nor his glory ever fade. End of quote. In fact, the fact that God can never change assures us that no matter how much we drive straight from him, he doesn't lose any. No matter how much power he gives us to live our lives, he's never reduced by giving it to us. What he is, he has always been. And what he's always been, he will ever continue to be without any change at all. And when I say that, as you know from reading the Bible, there are times when God has chosen to change his methods. And that is not in any way contradicting what I'm saying today. Because when I say that God doesn't change, I mean, and theologians mean, in his being, in his perfections, in his attributes, in his purposes, and in his promises. Which means that he will never be less than infinite. He will never be other than holy or different in the essence of who he is. He will never be other than just. He will never change in his love for godliness, in his hatred of sin. Never mutate into something evil or unloving. And never evolve into a morally permissive being. He will never increase in knowledge or wisdom, nor wane in his power or might. Never alter his personality. Never reinvent himself or ever be other than the truthful, faithful, trustworthy anchor and foundation stone and solid rock that he has always been because it is impossible for God to change. So you say, what else do you have to say? Well, I'm just getting started. I want to give you in our remaining time three ways the immutability of God helps us as believers. First, the unchanging nature of God 
is the ground of our continued existence and the spiritual bedrock upon which we can securely set our feet so as to keep us from stumbling. In a world that is constantly, constantly changing in almost every area, God gives us his immutability as an unshakable place to plant our feet. He is the anchor for our soul that allows us to remain unmoved in the storms of life. He is the foundation stone upon upon which we set our feet that will never crumble or erode. And he is the solid bedrock footing to stand on when the shifting sands of culture and the rising floodwaters of peril and the gale force winds of change beat against us. And we are able to stand firm only because there's something unchangeable beneath us, above us, and around us. Now, as you know, we're living in a postmodern world. Most postmoderns hearing this lesson would bark and bite and scream and kick and don't like this at all because it implies that there's things that cannot be manipulated. There's things that can't be moved or changed and they don't like that as postmoderns. But those who lack the solid footing of knowing God's unchanging nature and character tend to respond in three ways to the constant change around them. And I'm going to use the example of ethics because that's probably where it's most noticeable. People in our world who don't understand that God is the solid, unchangeable rock, the basis for everything we believe and everything that we do. They develop their ethics and values, for example, based on changing studies. And one study will come out one week, and that's what they'll believe. And then a a new study will come out the next week, and, and so they change and believe that. And so those, those change from week to week. Or they also cave into the pressure and the influences of the majority. And they go with the flow wherever it takes them. Even if where it takes them goes against common sense, and goes against their conscience. 
I've talked to unbelievers who know what they believe and they defend it with all their might. But they don't know where it comes from other than to say that's what they believe or that's what the latest public opinion polls reveal or that's what they perceived when they've watched the media and they've chosen to adopt the most popular viewpoint out there at the time. So when asked to give a reason why they believe what they believe or why they hold to the values that they hold to, they have no credible basis for their beliefs except to say that's what the majority believes. It's uh, interesting, after the recent Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade, one poll recently said that 73% of Americans believe that women had the right to an abortion. And so they, you see them carrying their signs as they march in their protest. 73% can't be wrong. Well, I'd like to point out to them that in 1938, in the free election in Germany, 99.73% of the population vote went to Hitler. Only 12,700 out of the 4.5 million registered voters voted against Hitler showing us that even 99.73% of the population can be wrong because you can't base your values and your ethics on what the majority believes. You have to base it on something more solid than that. Today, of course, the new standard of morality seems to be this, and you've probably heard it. Anything is okay as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. That's, that's the new standard. Anything is okay as long as it doesn't hurt someone else. Again, I've heard pro-abortionist use this argument. It's okay because it doesn't hurt anyone else. I've also heard the same argument with regard to the legalization of marijuana, prostitution, pornography, the growing cultural acceptance of adultery, and non-committed recreational sex, and nearly everything else under the sun except murder, because murder would hurt someone else. 
And I suppose all those things would be true if you didn't consider the baby in the womb to be a person or count the erosion of one's character or integrity as being harmful to the self and others or consider the the numbing effects that such things have on the conscience to be of any ill consequence to society, or see any problem with the eroding effect that that had on culture as a whole, or if you really didn't care that you offended God in the process. I have to say this because as one who has seen it happening over the years, change in values is inevitable. You can't stop it from happening. It will happen if you like it or not. As the world shrinks and cultures blend and societies, society embraces new ideas, And technological advances actually confront us with challenges we've never even had before. Values will change. And in some cases, the change has been good. In some cases, it's actually become more biblical. After all, I would never want to return to slavery I would never want to return to segregation. I would never want to return to a time when Catholics and Protestants were killing each other and burning each other's churches. Or a time when women were denied the right to vote or even own property. Those were good changes. They needed to happen. It was necessary. The change actually brought us in a more biblical direction. Yet, many changes have not been so good. Many changes are nothing more than human sin looking for justification to express itself. Human sin saying, I want to do this. And I don't want anybody to restrict me in any way and tell me I can't. And so change is pushed for the sake of sin being expressed by people who want to express it. And the only thing that can help us as God's people in the confrontation of all these various views and and all these various opinions to wade our way through it all is to remember that every value the Christian holds to comes from the God who does not change. The immutable nature of our holy Righteous, just, 
and loving God. He is the anchor for the soul that keeps us grounded when things start to move. He is the handhold we have when the earth beneath us starts to open up and everything we always believed in starts to crumble. We have a handhold to hold on to. We have a foundation to stand upon. So even if 99.73% of the population says it's okay to do a certain thing. If it's contrary to the nature of God, if it goes at odds with who God is, you can know to stand your ground and don't change regardless of what everybody else says. Because if that value... And that ethic is grounded in the nature of God who never changes. You and I must never change in that regard. Then secondly, a second way the immutability of God helps us as believers. God's immutability supplies us with the unchanging standard of measure of we need in order to grow in godliness or progress in fruit-bearing and sanctification. Because what do those things mean except to become more like Christ or to become more like God? And we are called to do that, by the way, to become more like Christ and more like God. How can that happen? Or how could I pursue such a thing or set my sights on that goal if the God I was trying to imitate changed day by day? Think of it. Wouldn't it be a horror if you set your sights on imitating God and Christ only to discover after you've spent your entire life doing so, after you've spent your entire life rejecting worldly, fleshly pleasures and all those other things only to find out at the end of your life that God had changed? And said, oh my goodness, I've listened to the latest public opinion poll. And it's really causing a lot of friction down there. And I know that some people want this even though others don't. So I think I'll give in. You can do all those things that I told you before you could never do. Folks, That would be devastating. It would be a kick in the gut. Yet, you and I 
can put any such fears to rest. Because God says of himself, as we read in that Malachi 3 passage, I am the Lord. I do not change. Or in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, we read, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Or in the Psalm 102, verse 27 passage, the foundations of the earth will perish, but you, O God, remain the same. And because that's all true, we can know God will always oppose and hate and judge what is evil. And he will always affirm and admonish what is good and what is holy. It will never be otherwise. We don't have to worry about that. He will never change. He will always advocate, endorse, and admonish us to pursue holiness and goodness and integrity and all those things that conform to his unchanging nature. And we can do it every day, all the rest of our lives, without ever worrying that God's agenda is going to be different. And because his nature and his word are unchanging, we can know that what was sin in the eyes of God ten years ago is sin today. What was sin in the eyes of God 100 years ago is sin today. What was sin in the eyes of God 2,000 years ago is sin today even if the entire culture says otherwise. What sins am I talking about? Talking about idolatry, blasphemy, witchcraft. I'm talking about lying, stealing, gossip, slander, filthy language, self-righteousness, disobedience to parents. Hatred, stirring up dissension among friends, injustice, judgmentalism, rage, unforgiveness, greed, evil desires, ignoring the plight of the orphan and widow, refusing to love your neighbor, perjury, envy, lust, pride, drunkenness, adultery, They have always been considered sin in the eyes of God. And they will always be sin in the eyes of God regardless of what culture says. Because our norm is not culture. Our norm is not what the majority wants. Our norm is the immutable, unchanging, unchangeable nature of God and his word. And third and last, 
God's unchanging nature helps us to know him and to know ourselves. Think of it. Think of trying to get to know a God who changed all the time. Think of trying to get to know a a person who reinvents himself or herself all the time. They say it's common on the internet. They're Joe on Thursday and they're Sam on Friday and then Ellen on Monday or whatever the case may be because they're always reinventing. That's the thing to do with the internet. People don't or can't see you, so they pop up as so-and-so, and you reinvent yourself all the time. Well, imagine trying to get to know a person who changes day to day. It's, it's hard to get to know somebody like that who changes all the time. Sort of like trying to build a house with a ruler that is a foot and a half long one day and a foot long the next day and three feet long the next day. Or if you've ever tried to look into one of those flexible mirrors that purpose, purposely try to distort your image and you try to get an accurate picture of, of yourself by looking in that mirror, you're never going to get to know yourself. So an unchanging standard outside of ourselves helps us to get to know God because the God I started to get to know 50 years ago is the same God who I will die in the hands of and he won't have changed at all. Although I've gotten to know him better because as I grow and change, He doesn't. And I get to know myself better because I have a a standard outside myself to measure myself by that doesn't change. So God's immutability helps me to get to know him and it helps me to get to know myself as well. Let me just say this in closing. I don't know about you, but in a world on the brink of catastrophe every day, this is what keeps my heart stable. This is what keeps my feet planted and moving in the same direction.
the immutability of God, his unchanging and unchangeable nature. May God bless his word to our hearts. All right. So thank you very much, uh, Mark, for being willing to share that um, lesson with us. Um, put a lot of good work into his lesson on immutability. I, it, was a, it was a blessing to me. I pray that it was also a blessing to you. And um, as always, if you have any feedback about the podcast, uh, feel free to reach out to me, PastorSteveRon at gmail.com. Um, and until next time, thanks for listening. Thank you.